what's happening hopefully you're off to a good start welcome to modern day marketer i am your host brett mcgrath feeling good how are you feeling out there i want to say thank you for stopping by and seeing some modern day marketer plugs on social people shouting us out people enjoying the show we're giving value you're learning something maybe maybe not I don't know, but you're coming by and you're tuning in, and we do appreciate that. As we try to grow this damn brand at the juice, we're out here trying really hard, and the way that we're doing it and the way that we found that we can do it best is by publishing some real, authentic content that hopefully gives you something, just one nugget to think about as you go on with your week So appreciate you stopping by. What I want to do in this episode is a solo one. We're going solo. Promise I won't go Broadway, but I'm sitting up here by myself. I've been heads down. I record this on Thursday. Okay, this goes live on Monday. Uh, Thursday is a creator day for me, big time. So Thursday is typically the day where I am prepping uh, audio for the next week. I'm often hosting these conversations with Jonathan or doing them solo. Um, I'm also writing our newsletter, Modern Day Marketer. If you're not already signed up, what are you doing? Go sign up. Link in the bio. You're listening to the show. Go read the newsletter. I'm writing the newsletter on Thursday. It's heads down content production, always. And I always feel so drained but satisfied after I get done with Thursday I always try to make Friday maybe a little lighter. I guess there's no really days off here doing this thing, trying to push a brand forward and do whatever we can to grow. But that's typically how it works for me. So what I wanted to do in this episode, going solo here, I wanted to talk about internal marketing. If you are a subscriber to the newsletter, you Uh, read me share a little bit of perspective on that last week. And so while the newsletter is a companion piece to this show, I am actually going to um, kind of provide some further commentary on what went out um, this past Friday to your inbox. Before I do that, I wanted to maybe give you some insight on a conversation that I had with a marketing leader this past week and it was actually not for our show but I was on his show. I had the chance to talk to Doug Bell who is the chief marketing officer at Lean Data and he has a podcast called the Revenue Generator Podcast. Go check it out. I was a big fan of Doug. First time meeting him. We just got to uh, chopping it up and we talked about two topics that were near and dear to my heart. So he he does the revenue generators a daily podcast, and so um, when guest comes in, kind of splits, creates two episodes over two topics, and so we covered the fall of content factories and the rise of content distribution. Which, if you heard me talk, you re- read my content, you know those are topics that are near and dear to my heart. Um, I actually just got an email right before um, I hit record on this, letting me know that. The first episode is going to go out February 6th. So if you want to listen to me talk about those topics, um, tune in to Doug's podcast, Revenue Generator Podcast, on February 6th, and you'll hear a little bit about that conversation. Why I'm bringing this up 
is because during this conversation, Doug asked me a question and I can't really recall verbatim what the question was, but it had something to do with which B2B or consumer brands have earned your trust with their marketing. Who are you into? Why are you into them? That sort of thing. And so I hit I hit the question and answered it on the B2C side. So I'm going to kind of reiterate what I shared with Doug on his podcast. But then I had a story on the B2B side that I didn't share, but I figured, you know what? It might be cool to share on this episode before we get into the internal marketing of it all. So when he asked me the question, immediately I looked to my right. And on the right side of my desk, I was consuming... At the time of the recording, I was consuming a liquid death, severed lime, sparkling water. Okay, have you seen these liquid death flavored water gimmicks? Have you seen these out there in the wild? My first exposure was the regular canned water. I was at a concert. I'm trying to think back who we were seeing. Oh, was, I was seeing the War on Drugs, Who Rules, big music guy. My wife got me front row tickets to see War on Drugs for my birthday. And I went up to get some something to drink. And I saw these cans and saw that they were this was water. And I was like, this looks funny, but I need some water. And I overpaid whatever, you know, they get you at those things. But whatever I paid was way too much at the time. And I consumed it. I did not get the sparkling variety nor the flavored variety, but I just got regular water. And I was just mesmerized by the can. I was mesmerized by the branding. I was mesmerized by the copy on the can. And I was like, you know what? Like I overpaid for this, but whatever, this is pretty cool. So I hadn't thought anything of liquid death. I think I had seen maybe on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, some social channel, someone posting and people talking about it, but it hadn't really come into my rear view up until I, uh, Saturday morning, splitting responsibilities in my house. We go grocery shopping on Saturdays over here and we were kind of figuring out, all right, who does what? My wife was at home with the little one and I was like, I'll go take the grocery duties. Um, You know, throw on a little podcast, do a little produce shopping, kind of get what you need for the week. And so I was done, almost done grocery shopping. And out of the corner of my eye in the store at the end cap, I saw liquid death and I saw liquid death, but I saw it in the flavored form. So there was a mango. I had a severed lime. Is what I'm drinking. I was like, oh, I remember Liquid Death. Um, what do these things cost? It was like over two bucks a can. I actually saw a 12 pack. It was like 18 bucks, which is crazy for water, flavor water. But I was like, you know what? Like I consume coffee in the morning. I drink a ton of water and I'm a Diet Coke fiend. I try not to, I try not to do Diet Cokes during the workday. It's kind of a treat um, in the evening. And I know you might think that's ridiculous, but yes, I do drink Diet Coke in the evening. It's kind of my thing. It's my routine. But anyways, I was looking for an alternative in the afternoon, something different. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to grab six of these cans. We're going to pay whatever it costs, and I'm going to be about it. Well, the Monday rolled around, one o'clock hit, popped open a liquid death, tasted it. And I was like, you know what? This is like the best damn flavored water I've ever had. You know, I've been on the LaCroix train. Um, I've done them all. But this one was the best. 
And so when Doug asked me the question, I had this in the corner of my eye and I responded, liquid death. And I think not only is it the product, but it tastes good. It, um, I think it's delicious, but like the branding of the can is unreal. I love the, the catchphrase, um, murder, murder your thirst. I think they have cause associated with what they're doing. Hashtag death the plastic, 10% of the profits for every can go go to fighting plastic pollution. So it's just like cause marketing. And so for me, although I think it's ridiculous, whatever I'm paying for each can of these, I'm sure I'm overpaying. I'm satisfied every more, every afternoon when I grab one of these things and take it down. So there's a lot there. And to me, it is something that I found connection to. And I'm, I'm drawing association with based on living in a house that is, try, we try to be very mindful of uh, environment. Um, and if we're going to pay a little up and we can give a little back to their cause, then that's cool. And we're so, I'm associated with that. So I love the, the brand marketing that Liquid Death is putting together. And when someone asks you that question, and it's the first thing that pops in your mind, that probably means they're doing something right. Excuse me if I've told this story before, but now going to the B2B of it all. I think we all know HubSpot. HubSpot, excellent brand, great content, great product, all these things. Well, uh, a couple stops ago, I was a HubSpot customer and there was another product that we were using. Now, this other product that we're using, and I just, well, I won't mention it. I won't mention the name, but the other product that we, we were using was releasing email functionality. And I asked my team, hey, they're releasing email functionality. Do we really need HubSpot and this other tool? Can we just go with one or the other? Well, we decided as a team that we were going to save a little money, cut our deal with um, HubSpot and not renew. HubSpot, global leader, so many customers, just insane. Well, I told our renewal, our, our CSM, what we were doing and said, she, hey, you were great. Thank you so much for all the time, energy you put into the relationship. Love to working with you. And when I we got off the phone or the last email was sent, I thought it'd be over with. Well, a couple of weeks went by and I got an email and she said, hey, if you'd be up for it, our executive team would love to talk with you about your decision and if you're up for it, share any details. And I'm like reading this. I'm like, am I reading this right right now? Like HubSpot's executive team wants to talk to me about not renewing with them. Like that doesn't make any sense. Anyways, I said, yeah, sure, whatever. Like happy to help. Let me know. And HubSpot's chief operating officer at the time reached out and emailed me, J.D. Sherman. I couldn't believe it. It's like, is this real? It's like, hey, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to ask you some questions, whatever. And, you know, when HubSpot's chief operating officer reaches out to you in an email and wants to talk with you, you're probably going to say yes, or at least I did. So I was fascinated by this and a couple of weeks went by. And then all of a sudden, you know, I had a meeting, uh, the invite sent. And I got into an office space and I'll never forget this. I opened up the Zoom and then all of a sudden I'm looking out at the board, the boardroom at HubSpot and it's their entire executive team. I'm talking Darmesh, I'm talking Brian, it's everybody. And I'm just staring there, staring at them. And all of a sudden 
JD leads this conversation and asking me questions about us leaving, us going with the alternative, reasons why, all of this. And it was, it was, uh, I'll never forget this experience, but I'll never forget this question specifically. Dharmesh at the end of this asks me, he asked me, Brett, is your decision to go with the alternative a brand decision or a product decision? And I thought about it for a second and I said, it's a brand decision. We had been won over by the alternative because of great content, because of what their team did for us, how they made us feel. And to make a long story short, the alternative didn't end up working out. And then a year later, I was at Inbound signing my second contract with the same AE at HubSpot. I think this is a lesson for all of us. And I think everything we're working on and everything we're building on a regular basis, it's a commodity. Everyone's got the same stuff, but we as consumers are looking for connection, whether it's liquid death and a cause around fighting plastic or maybe something on the B2B side that is a little outside the box. I think liquid death and HubSpot both stand for something. And I think if we don't stand for something as marketers, we're just going to be viewed as another commodity. I think people who believe in your stance will find you. And content is that connection point for those people who are seeking something bigger and your brand. And I think that's really powerful. And I just wanted to open up there because I think We're at a time right now where there's more pressure than ever. There's less resources than ever. Seems like the sky is falling in many cases. But trust in what you're doing, especially if it's not like your competitor, if it's not like anything you've seen, but you feel it, your customers feel it. And even if it's a little bit of feels, go all in. Because the more you go all in, the more you will separate. And it's all about earning trust, and being different. So I wanted to start this episode off by sharing that. I also wanted to plug it again. Sign up for the damn newsletter if you're not already. Link is in the bio. Every Friday, I'm dropping a new one, curating content, data, telling some stories, doing that. So make sure you check it out. We're actually, this is the first you're hearing it now. You've heard it here first if you're listening to this. Starting the promotional engine. We decided instead of just you know internal Slack sharing stuff out to our customers. We're going to do it bigger. So we're hosting our first roadmap event. It's it's actually exclusive to just our customers. And if you're listening to this pod or subscribed to the newsletter, only people we're letting in. So we'll put a link in the show notes for this. Go sign up if you're interested in learning more about what we're working on. Chris Vinoy, who's the VP of product and engineering at the Juice, he is going to be hosting it. I'm going to Bring him on the podcast here soon so you can listen to a little bit about him. His background is in MarTech. Um, He's done some amazing things. We're very lucky to have him as a product leader at The Juice. Really excited for this. We're also going to be bringing on customers to talk about how they're using The Juice. So you're not going to want to miss that one. Also want to plug Slice and Dice, episode two. Shout out Motion, who's helping us produce those. Dropped our second episode. Put that in the show notes too. Jonathan and I talked about the five highest performing pieces of content on the juice for content marketers. Had a lot of fun doing that. And also we had to push our sales kickoff uh, event out uh, one week. So that is actually going to happen on the other side of this. So on Tuesday, 
If you're looking to rev up your sales kickoff process, you want to learn more about how sales leaders, how sales professionals are thinking about it, you're going to want to tune into that. All right, let's get into the internal marketing of it all to close this thing out. So in the newsletter last week, I made mention that we as marketers really have two different functions, but we over-index on one. And the over-indexing on the one is the external marketing. And this is, I'm talking about content creation, campaigns, demand gen. Uh, I'm talking about building brand, uh, ops, winning hearts and minds, all of those things. One thing we don't talk a lot about is internal marketing. I always grew up, and this was instilled in me early, is like, we need a market from the inside out. And so the thought process there is if you can't get your team to buy into what you're building and marketing, then how in the hell are you going to get the outside to, to buy in? So when I think about internal marketing, I think about there's three things that stand out in my mind that have worked for me that I've learned over time. Those three qualities are excellent communication, consistency, and context. And I think when we think about content, and we think about the adoption of content, the chance of someone else coming into your hemisphere and adopting your content before your team does isn't likely. And so I think getting your team on board with what you're building, making them a part of it, getting their feedback and giving them the context on why they should give a damn about the content you're designing matters. That stuff matters. I had a conversation last week with my sales counterpart, Kate. We got into the nitty and gritty of it. We opened up the hood. We had the dashboards going. We were pulling numbers. The conversation was all about content and how content was driving pipeline for sales. A pretty important topic. And I want to tell you right now, if you haven't talked to your sales counterpart with content in the front and a dashboard right there and you're not chopping it up like this, you're probably doing something wrong. But my primary takeaway, talking about what's working, what's not, was that, damn, Sales cares about our content. They say, care about our content enough for us to talk about how we can double down and do things better going into next quarter. To me, that's a win. That is a signal that not only do I have sales buy-in, but they're relying on my activity to help fuel what they're doing. We all need to be really damn good at building a culture of content wherever we're working, whatever brand we're trying to elevate, and you build the culture of content by again, excellent communication, consistency, and context. If you remember those three things when you have a new piece and you want to try to share it off with the rest of the team, you're probably going to do something right. I'm going to be talking more and more about internal comms. I'm going to be talking more about showcasing content and about getting your team aligned. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune in on Friday. Maria Delano, Kalina Marketing, we're talking about why reaching less people can actually lead to more value for your brand. Thank you so much for tuning in to Modern Day Marketer. We'll see you and talk to you real soon.